Thank you. Um, if you are if you are just coming in, um, you get to like play along in an activity a little bit. Um, if you'd like to, I think that makes it more fun for all of us. Um, so if you go to student.desmos.com and use that kind of six uh, letter digit thing, H-H-U-E-5-W, capitals don't actually matter. They just make it big so you can see it. Um, but if you want to take a minute to log in, um, that would be awesome. And when you go there, you can choose to sign in with a Google account. So if you click sign in with Gmail, it'll get you like right in um, as a student. So I'll give people a little bit of time just so you can still see that code. Um, for people who are in, I'm going to shut that down just a, for a sec. Um, for people who are in, um, I'm going to have you head to uh, a couple slides that you can start filling out a little bit of info, but I'll put this back in. And then I'll go back. Give a full intro. I feel like I should have you like stand if you're like logged in or something like that, but I won't. We won't go that far as far as having you be students. Um, also, people in the back, can you hear me okay if I stray away from the mic? This is small enough. Awesome, we've got we've got good crowd. Does anyone still need that code? Cool, that's great. Sweet. Anyone else? All right. I'm going to do the thing that my students hate the most. Um, actually, oh no, I'm going to yeah, I am. Um, I'm going to pause you. Uh, which is a really nice feature in Desmos. You get like, a, um, usually I get some audible like angst uh, when I'm doing that. But I'll go through a, a couple of these um, just at the beginning. So um, one thing, I'll put this up at the end too. Um, you can make a copy of this uh, presentation or copy of the Desmos activity and the slides that came from it. Um, if you use the link uh, bit.ly, so bit.ly, Desmo CEA, um, capitals do matter for bit.ly links. Um, and there's a link for the actual like Desmos activity too. So you could even go in and copy like some of the slides or info. Um, so during that, and I'll put it up at the end, um, hopefully you can listen, play along with things. I tried to make the slides so that a lot of what I'm saying actually shows up, which isn't supposed to be great for presentations, but I think it's often helpful if you want to go back to thoughts. Um, so you can participate a little bit. So I'll put that up towards the end, too. Um, this is me. Uh, as I mentioned, I love the outdoors. That's my life. Uh, we have a 14-month-old named Finn who's super fun. Um, so we're first-time parents, and it's really busy. Um, but it's awesome. Uh, he's cute and helpful and, like, basically running now, which is crazy. Um, is everyone logged in? Good there. Um, a couple of notes just on login. Um, I'll figure out how many people have used it before. Um, when you logged in, um, one of the things that's, I think, kind of helpful sometimes to do with students, you might have seen this working with a group, and it says list their names. Um, a lot of times I have students work on Desmos activities with a partner in one screen, um, just because, like, with any of our devices, like you think your cell phone, your computer, if you're staring at that, you're probably not participating with your neighbors. 
Um, so I find one screen for two students to be really helpful in actually like facilitating conversation. Um, and that's a nice aspect that when you do that, you can then like list two names so I know on my screen who's actually like partnered up instead of just like looking out at the class all the time. Um, so just kind of a fun login thing. Um, when you log in, uh, for students, um, and maybe if this was your first time you didn't see as much, um, student.desmos.com will become their like main page that they go to. Um, one of the things that they can see, uh, it's kind of highlighted here, it's not super clear in the like screenshot of this. Um, feedback that you give shows up as like a notification to students when they log in. So if you commented on a previous activity, when they go back to it, they can see that like, oh hey, my teacher made a comment on there, it'll bring them right to that slide when you jump in. Um, that's kind of a cool use of it. Um, as we go through on your screen, um, if you want to go full screen, you can click kind of those arrows going out. Um, there's a scientific calculator that's always available um, if you need to use that. Uh, and then you'll be going back and forth with the arrow slides on the next button up in the top. Um, so for people who haven't gotten there yet, I'll pause you. Uh, there's a couple screens that I'd like you to take a look at at the beginning. So just so, so I know who's, who's here, what experience level we have, um, so I'm not talking like too high or too low or uh, what have you. So take a minute to fill those out. Um, and two, as I'm going through, if you have a question about anything that I'm doing, look, stop and ask me. Don't feel like you need to wait to the end. Um, if you see me do something on the screen up here and you want to say like, hey, what, like, what did you just do? Please stop me. Um, there's a lot of, I don't know, different things that we could dive into. So you're open to slides 10, 11, and 12 right now. So if you've kind of finished the initial check-in, you can click next, go over to slide 11. Um, I'm just curious about kind of use. As I'm going through, like a lot of times with my students, if I have a certain section, um, like you're currently paced to three slides, you can't go outside of those. Um, a lot of times I'll run a timer off to the side too, but I don't think I need to, like for teachers per se. Um, but sometimes that's helpful as just like a, a gauge of like, oh, I should be, if I'm open to three slides, I should be a little farther maybe. Um, not that you want to push too hard, but. Um, so, uh, a couple things to know if you're new to looking at this dashboard. Um, what I see as I'm teaching uh, is what shows up here, um, so I can see all sorts of responses. So, a couple things. Um, uh, it gets cut off a little bit on the projector screen, 
One of the things that I can do that I think is really helpful is anonymize people. So it gives them automatically names that are like famous scientists or mathematicians. So you'll probably get people that are like, what is this crazy Chinese name? Um, and then some kids will go like start to look it up. Um, or they'll be like, who is Blaise Pascal? Or, um, all sorts of them. Um, but a lot of times for the sake of the anonymity, it's nice to have that. You don't have people calling out certain people's answers if they see them. Um, when you click pacing, so right now I'm pacing to certain slides, kids can only access those slides. So you can choose, like I could choose just slide 10, and you're all brought back to slide 10. Um, I can choose a group of slides, so you're in slides 10 through 11, um, and that's what kind of controls what kids can see. Um, and the main thing that I'm going to talk about, I really kind of revised my title afterwards. There's one feature, and it's the snapshot feature that I have found to be like the thing that I think about and use the most as I'm going through lessons. Um, so from my screen, um, I can see kind of the student view. So if I just wanted to show you like the initial problem that you're going to see, you can see the student view. Um, if I want to see individual work, on a screen, so I have slide 10 selected, I can see everyone's kind of answers for slide 10. Um, and then I can go to a summary view, um, and this is kind of fun sometimes, you can see exactly what slide kids are looking at. Um, another fun thing, you guys are all great students, if someone hadn't been like active, um, someone could have like their thing still over here if, they, if they're like looking in another tab, which is really nice, and then you can say like, oh, hey Jake, uh, you could probably close out of that tab or look at your Desmo screen, and even if you can't see their screen, they'll be like, oh, how does he know? It's like, well, right there. Um, so that can be kind of handy, too, as far as pacing. And then it does show, like, 12 of you are still in that first screen because I brought you back to it. Um, 11 of you really want to go on, so you skipped forward to, like, that last slide again. Um, so just seeing, like, where a class is working at one point in time is kind of nice. Um, so from my teacher view, uh, and I should say too, a lot of times I have a mirrored desktop and I have two windows open, like one on my screen, so it's what students see, and then I'll have one just on my screen, like a separate window, so I can be playing around with stuff that I don't want students to like see necessarily. But you're going to see everything that I'm doing today. Um, so we can do cool things like if there's a response uh, to this first one, we can do an overlay. So that's everyone's responses. Um, pretty nice. We don't have we have one that's kind of <laughs> negative and tired. That's fair. Uh, at my school, we just came out of parent-teacher conferences. Uh, I could see some people definitely putting that, but a lot of people positive. But our energy levels are up and down, which for the middle of end of October um, is probably very reasonable. Um, as I scroll through, I can see everyone's responses. You're all anonymized, so I, I don't know who I picked out um, per se. But as I select them, um, I should X out of one of them. Um, as I select responses, they show up in this little window over here. Um, so this is another one. So I've never used Desmos with students. The snapshot feature, the most powerful thing about it is that you can automatically uh, display student work to everyone, right? Um, if I want to display this right away, I can click present, and those four snapshots come up. They could be graphs, they could be responses like what you've just done. Um, they could be 
numerical answers that people gave. Um, and if you really want, you can add a title to it. Um, so I could share this right away. So some cool responses, right? Um, people want to learn new activities, more fun, interactive things. I think Desmos plays a lot into that. Um, some practical things. Uh, and then someone has never used Desmos with students. So you're seeing it for the first time. That's awesome. Um, so you can pick student work and show it really quickly um, versus like, I don't know if you use a document camera, or like other ways of displaying work. This is very fast. Um, if you want to save it, like sometimes if I go into a lesson uh, that we kind of finished up the last day, there was a cool down problem, um, and I want to look at some responses from that and save it for the next day, I can go to Save Album in Snapshots, so that saves all of these responses, and up here, where it says Snapshots, you can kind of start orga organizing slides of students' work. Um, so I just chose four, so I only have one slide. If I want to display it to students, again, I can pop it open. It looks like that view that I just had. Um, and I can title it in some way. So maybe due to students' work, I have a certain question that I want to ask about all those responses. Um, so I could put that up top. And then that's saved as a slide. So if I go back into the activity the next day, I can go to the snapshots, I can pull that slide up right away, look at four pieces of students' work. Um, and as you add more, um, I could drag, say, two of these down into a new slide uh, and do a similar thing. So I can add a question on top, and maybe it's a different problem that I want it to look at. Um, and I have a different question about. So you can make as many of those as you want and then display them to students. Um, so sometimes during a lesson, I'll, I'll do that quickly during work time. Sometimes it's after a lesson that I'll go back through like a cool down problem again, look at some responses that I want to start class with the next day, and go forward. Um, but the use of that um, and the ways that I use it is what I really want to get at today. Um, so just for some other things uh, as far as what we're looking at. So a lot of middle school, some high school. We've got 25 people in here. That's awesome. Um, I can display that. And then we're pretty across the board with, uh, with use. Some have never seen it. Um, some have used the basic graphing calculator that you can do graphs and stuff on. Some have ran activities. Um, and one person's created their own. Um, so a variety of different levels. Um, one question that I want related to engagement, just so we think about like what engagement looks like in our math class, um, is this next one. And I'm just curious. Uh, actually, there's two um, questions related to engagement. Um, so just quick hits. You don't need a number of sentences. But the first one, um, what does engagement look and or sound like to you in your class? And the second one is, what are obstacles to positive engagement in, I, we're all math teachers, I would assume. So specifically a math classroom, what are some obstacles to engagement?
Yeah, if I, um, as soon as I click, and I'll do it, I'm sure you guys feel okay with it, this isn't anything that you need to be like worried about. Um, as soon as I click the anonymize again, everyone's names actually show up, right? So sometimes during a lesson, if I really want, if I want to see who a student is at a certain point, like I'll quick flip that. Um, but it depends on like what, for me, it depends on what, I, what students are seeing on the screen um, as to like whether or not that's anonymized. And if they like see some of their, their classmates' responses. So I'll keep it anonymized. Right. Awesome. So I'm going to start choosing a couple of these. Um, choose just a couple. Uh, if you look at mine, I'm going to pause you now just to be annoying. Um, so if you're not through the second answer, that's okay. Um, a lot of these, and this is cool, um, a lot of these get at uh, students talking. So heads up, speaking answers out loud, um, talking about math with each other, on task, conversation about the topic area being discussed, working on math together, um, uh, discussion and debate, chatting comfortably with each other. Um, and as soon as some of these started popping up, how, how many feel like your math experience as a student was like some of those? Yeah, shaking your, like hard no. Like in, I could think of like maybe one class that I got to do that. Like I think when I was in school, I spent a lot of time individually working, like head down, I'm doing my own thing in my book. Right? And just those answers say how far that I, I think we've come in a good way um, to what we think about students doing math, and that's awesome. Um, and then obstacles, I didn't really look through this. Um, yeah, tired, confused, um, I really like fear of looking dumb. I think that's a, a very real thing in math class. Um, keeping students on task, uh, boredom, distraction, sometimes too difficult being distracted by others, um, various levels of learning. Right? So there's a variety of things, uh, and even devices, right? um, or lack of prior knowledge, fear of making mistakes. I, I think we could come up with a list that has a, a bunch of different categories for that. Um, but hopefully, this what we talk about today can combat some of these. Um, so my, my main focus, I, Two of them, as far as I think broad like philosophy of teaching type things. Um, this quote uh, occurs all over in variations. Um, it's the person doing the talking is often the person doing the learning, right? And I think that's partially why we, we talked, or your responses earlier involved talking, right? We want people to be a little more active. Um, I think we could replace talking with thinking. Because when the person's talking, they're actively thinking about it, right? We're assuming if people aren't talking, we don't know whether they're actively thinking about it, right? Um, so a couple questions related to this. How soon in the school year do you know who will always have their hand up? Like, do you think a week? Two weeks? Maybe? A day? Right? I, I can pick, like, Colt in my fourth hour this year. 
Like every time I have a question, he will have his hand up, right? And then you're playing the game. Like how do you, how do you combat that? Um, relatedly, what are you thinking about if your hand is raised? So if my hand is if my hand is raised, like I would assume that my thinking is kind of stopped, right? Like I'm done. Um, and then what are you thinking about when other hands are raised, right? So there's classically like if you see five hands up. I guarantee that there are kids that are just like, oh, cool, they're going to take this one. Like, I don't need to think anymore. Because Colt is always going to answer that question, right? Um, so how we just use, like, hand-raising participation, um, I think, has some limits in that sense. Um, the other uh, thing that I try to get at, especially for math, um, in my teaching, I saw it a lot in high school, I taught high school for eight years, I now teach middle school for the past four, um, is increasing confidence and comfort unlocks the potential of students, right? Um, students need to be willing to try, they need to be willing to fail and know that that's okay, right? Um, they need to feel some sort of freedom that helps increase those things, and sometimes students just need to be able to play and have fun with a subject area like math. Um, and hopefully we can see that a little bit here as well. Um, so, first activity, um, I'm going to give you one slide uh, for you to take a look at and just play with some. Um, I'll look at the student version. Um, you have two figures there, A and B, and you need to decide which shape has the greater area or do you think that they're the same, right? Um, if you haven't used Desmos before, um, you're going to be asked to explain your thinking. Um, and maybe your thinking is just showing on the sketch how you could prove whether one has more than the other. Um, the initial tool is one that you can just draw like squigglies with. Um, you could use the text tool to actually write something. Um, and you can always kind of back up and erase as you go to, and there's, there's a line tool as well. Um, so I'll give you a couple, maybe two, three minutes, so you can just get a feel for how giving a response in that way could be. change their mind. That's cool. reason like we only see three but you see a bunch? Oh, so you can um, on certain slot like when there's a response slide um, if you're creating one you can decide whether you want students to see work or not. 
Um, so sometimes you, there might be ones that you don't want them to see responses of their neighbors. Um, sometimes, uh, and I found especially my students that were new to it this year, um, for whatever reason, a lot of them are very, uh, they like that a lot to see responses and many of them will go back and like redo some of their work if that's something that's off. Um, so I like, because I'm on the like teacher version of my dashboard, I can see everything right now. Can you turn I, off that feature that shares their students' responses with each other? Yeah, if um, in, in an activity, um, I would have to show you like the, the <laughs> editing screen of it. Yeah, like that's one of those that you could go in and just click a box off um, from the edit like view and they wouldn't be able to see anything. So you can kind of decide how to use that. Cool. So I'm going to pause you. Um, so a couple things again to notice. Uh, if there's multiple choice, it's kind of cool that you can see the breakdown of responses. Um, we're all math teachers. We know about circles and area and stuff, so it makes sense that we all selected the right thing. Um, but a lot of times that gives an option to say like, hmm, like why did six people choose option A? Um, or why are we like really split? Like who can defend one of their sides um, better? And maybe we need to change our answers because as a math community, typically by the end of something, we want to agree. Um, and I think it, seeing that, um, especially if it's a little more split, um, helps students because they know that they're not the only person that might have chosen the wrong answer. Some other people might have, and that's okay, right? Like, um, on this, this is at the intro of like a circles area unit. Um, typically, this will be a little more split because certain kids like you don't pick up on something. Um, a lot of times, initially, just because of how shape A is made, it looks like it's more full. It doesn't have a like a hole in the middle, right? So if you don't look carefully, maybe you just choose that right away. Um, but that can be a powerful thing uh, to leverage. And then I can see responses, so I can choose text responses. Um, I did that before, so I could display those. Um, I can also choose these to look at. So I could select a couple um, and see how different people are grouping some of these together. Um, so we have some person putting in like specific numbers there, I think like 0.75 of a square and whole ones. Um, person counting up probably the square versions, right? We can point those things out. Um, so a couple thoughts on using this. So this is from one of my classes. Um, so when I'm choosing responses, um, to increase confidence, a lot of times I try to choose, and you can't do it perfectly all the time, um, I try to choose quiet students, right, who aren't going to be the cult that raises their hand all the time. Um, and even if it's anonymous, it kind of gives them a, a little, uh, you know, kind of pat on the back. It's like, yeah, you were right. Like, they get to participate without actually like being vulnerable enough to raise their hand, right? But they at least see on the screen that like, oh, cool, my teacher chose their answer. Um, the other one that I hit on a lot is I try to find, um, Dan Meyer will call like finding, uh, oh man, how does he term it? Um, I cannot come up with it. But I try to choose students who don't think of themselves as good at math. Like I try to catch them being good at something um, and again, because they're not confident, they're probably not going to raise their hand for an answer, but I can see that it's the right one or that it has really cool thinking in it, and I can put it up there. And they don't have to be vulnerable and share their answer, 
but they can see that it has value. And hopefully through doing that, that can make them feel a little more comfortable. Um, oh, it's right there, catch students being brilliant, right? It doesn't have to be right. It could just be how they colored something. Um, it could be most of the way there, right? But I figure the most, or the more that I can catch someone being brilliant in that sense, the better for some of those students. Um, and you'll see, like, I've had students be like, oh, that's my sketch. And it's like, like they have a pride in that being chosen, um, which is kind of cool. Um, as far as the math goes, um, one of the things I try to do is highlight a variety of different visuals. Right? I think a lot of times in math, students think that there's one right way to do something. Um, and the more that I can show different ways of thinking, the more that they can be comfortable with their own thinking. Right? Um, so we have everything from like, this person was putting together these circles to form like a full one, I'm showing that here. Um, this person kind of recreated this into this and showed that there was an extra square. That's really cool. Um, and then this person was just counting up the like full and not full and was giving their reasons back and forth. Okay? Um, so those are cool responses. Um, another one, just for the sake of time, there's a second one I'm, I'm not going to have you do. Um, uh, well, these are some others. Um, they're like, not the best circle. You can get, or someone said the best circle, but I can't really draw with the freehand tool. Um, or showing this coming together uh, as far as area goes. Because the, the next screen was, can you find the area of one of those shapes? Right? So they're showing how this goes together to be a full um, circle and then put together these area portions. Um, so for some of their answers, um, when they're actually asked to calculate the area, the correct answer would be 3 plus 1 pi. Um, so you can choose what explanations to actually highlight. Um, you can highlight common misconceptions or errors. That's kind of a fun thing that, uh, or to do versus always the correct thing. Um, and you can use it to extend student thinking too. Like sometimes I'll show one that's like, partially there and talk about like how could we improve it what don't they include what do they include um, and oftentimes I find because of the digital nature of it um, I can pause students we can talk about something like that and it's really easy for them to fix their answers um, for whatever reason more so than pencil and paper I feel comfortable hitting delete getting rid of some of their work and then retyping it or giving more of an explanation to it um, and then a number of students uh, will give this answer for it. So 4 plus 2 pi instead of the actual area. Does anyone have any idea where that came from? I'm putting you on the spot. Maybe the perimeter? It is. It's the perimeter of it. The first part of our unit is perimeter, then area. So we still have students thinking perimeter versus calculating area, right? Um, so they weren't thinking the right thing. Did they get the perimeter right? Yeah, they got the perimeter right, which is, which is cool. Um, for the outside of the shape. So using those responses, um, you can do a lot, you can go a lot of places with those. Um, and I even, like sometimes I don't want students to redo their work and they'll be like, can I please, please, please go back to slide eight? And it's like, no, I don't care. Like, we're beyond that. You don't need to worry about being perfectly correct. Like you know the right thinking now and we're moving on, that's okay. Um, but especially with some of your like more type A students, like they want to know that they got the entire lesson correct. Um, even if like 
the only reason they got it correct is because they saw the correct answer and they just want to go put it in. Right? Um, so that you have to stop a little bit. Um, let's see. Next one you get to play around with a little bit um, is a card sort uh, and then an activity builder. So I'm going to put you into those two for the next couple minutes. Um, just in the card sort, just quickly play around a little bit. You don't have to get it perfectly correct. You don't need to be a type A student. Um, and then in the card sort, or sorry, in the challenge creator, you get to create yours. So I'll show these for just a second if people haven't um, used it. So card sort has different cards that you can group. Um, so you're asking students to put them in like groups, essentially. Um, so you can put them together. If you want to blow up one, you can click on it. It shows up big. Um, and you can pull those apart as well. Um, in the challenge creator, um, these are pretty cool. Each kid can make a challenge. So this comes from a sixth grade, like very basic solving equations unit. Um, so you get to choose uh, an animal to be a, a part of your setup. So you can choose any of those. Um, you can choose how many. Uh, and you can choose the weight that those are kind of equal to and it's adjusting your equation. Um, you have to solve it, so you can't just make a crazy challenge and be like, cool, my classmates have to do it, like you have to solve it too. And then it'll go into a um, kind of gallery so you can see everything. So um, I will unpause you. So just quickly play in the card sort and then start making a challenge for a second. some people that are going for getting it all correct. All right, for the sake of time, I'm going to be annoying and kick everyone into the challenge later. <laughs> so now you're in slide 23. Sorry if you didn't get it perfectly right. Um, click on, there should be a, uh, I went, if you click on create my challenge off on the left there, then it'll start taking you through. Um, and again, I hate to see it like push too much. Try to make a quick one and then you can see how it's utilized a little bit. Hopper has one. Nice. A really heavy alligator.
We'll give you about 30 more seconds. Pause you right about now, so you're done. Sorry if you didn't get all the way through, but you get the idea. Um, so, a couple things about utilizing these, so you can see what what I would see um, as a teacher if you create a card sort. Um, as so, I can have the student view up again. So, I'll talk about using that at the end in a minute. Um, there's a key for it, like when you create a card sort, you kind of create an answer key for it, or they have been created if it's an activity you just copy. Um, and you can see what groups get it correct. Um, so sometimes when you're going through those, I'll just call out and be like, uh, hey Ben, your group like has two that are mixed up. Like go back and take a look at that one. Um, or just give affirmation and be like, yep, you guys are good to go. You can go on to the next screen. Um, but it's nice to be able to see um, where kids are at in it. Um, Sometimes if they like they're really easy, like they just blow through it. Maybe I don't need to talk about it very much. Maybe it was really easy. Um, maybe if it took a little bit longer, then we need to go back to it. Um, so some thoughts on card sorts. Um, typically, I use it as like a check for understanding in the middle or towards the end of a lesson. Um, so it can be a quick formative assessment, um, and it's good for discussing common errors and misconceptions. Um, so a lot of times when I bring this screen back up, um, I'll start and I'll say like, what is one of the, what were some easy ones to match right away, right? What are, what were ones you were for sure on? Um, and again, that allows some students who like, they might not know the hard ones, but they're like, oh, I can answer that one. Like that's, that's an easy win for me. Um, I might get students to raise their hand that don't often do that. And they can give some of those early ones. Towards the end, um, then I can, uh, like keep going through that. Um, or you can ask, which card do you think was most often in the wrong group? And sometimes you get some inter interesting answers. Sometimes kids agree a lot on what was most often in the wrong group. Um, or I can tell them, and I can say, this card was most often assigned to the wrong group. Um, you can, I believe, um, in this, if I look at uh, an overview, it gets cut off. but it'll say most common incorrect cards. Um, so I can see that from that teacher dashboard and say like, hey, why was, why was that one so hard? Like, why did people screw that up? Um, what was difficult about it? And then have a discussion related to it. Um, yeah, and ask what's tricky about it. So that's for card sorts. Um, for the activity builder, or the challenge creator, I can see everyone's activities that they've created. Um, and Kids have to get used to this a little bit. Um, sometimes I'll just be like, boo, I bet you can create a more challenging one and I'll delete it for them. Because um, they'll do like x plus 1 equals 2. And it's like, OK, you can be a little, like, it's a call to challenge creator. Um, but I, I like them. Uh, they, they offer choice. Kids get to make their own thing. right? When they get to create, that's cool. Um, so it allows for creativity in that sense. Um, it allows for repeated practice. Because the idea is once a student goes through, like once you've created yours, then you can go in and start solving people's. Right? So you can get, and they'll kind of get check marks for how many they've solved. So you can just be like, oh, so-and-so solved six already. So-and-so has solved eight. Um, and they can create like a little bit of a, um, a challenge to it 
in that sense, and you can decide when to cut it off. Um, the weights in there, did you notice the weights were like kind of actually like scaled to the animal size, which is kind of nice. Like Desmos created that one. So, um, but once you look through two from that from that dashboard, I can see how many people solved ones. Um, so maybe they solve a lot of the easier ones, and some of the ones are like more challenging. Uh, and we can look at those and say like, uh, whose was especially challenging? Like that one only had one person solve it. Why was that hard? And then maybe talk through it. Um, or often the idea is that once you start solving them, you should have a process for solving all of them if they're on a like topic. So maybe you saw some that were hard at first, but after you've repeated a lot, like how could we generalize how you're always going to solve one of those two types of equations? Um, and sometimes, uh, I didn't put it on here, sometimes I even get like a really good challenge problem from a really creative like high-end student where I'm like, oh, I'm going to use that at some point. Um, because they came up with something. Like I had a kid last year use like two pi as like a variable in something. and something. It, it made something really, uh, really tough and unique and I used it as like a challenge problem on a test. Um, the nice thing, uh, challenge creators, it used to be like a novelty to show because only Desmos created them. Um, Desmos all the time is coming out with like new features for that are publicly available. Um, just this fall, so on October 3, is the first time that you could go and make your own challenge creator. So they put together a framework for it. So you could make a slide, turn it into a challenge creator, and then it has the kind of steps that you go through so you could create it for your own lesson. Um, uh, they're, so they're always adding new things, and they're very committed to it being free. Um, they do do an, an adaptation of the illustrative curriculum, which I'll talk about. Um, just a tiny bit at the end. Um, that is obviously something a school would have to pay for, but you can get all of the features that they offer for free, which is really nice. Um, I don't think it's ever going to be something that, like, using Desmos is behind a paywall. Like, we'll always be able to create um, or copy activities from it. Um, so that was just kind of cool. Like, it was like now we can create those, so it's not just a novelty to show. Like, we could each go in and start making um, a challenge screen. Um, last one I'm going to have you do uh, is um, kind of a graphing one. This is more, more of an eighth grade. Um, so you've got a, a distance versus time graph um, for a tortoise, a fox, and a hare. Um, you need to tell a story about the fox's journey during the race. Include specific details about time and distance. Um, so again, I'll give you a chance to, to start and tiny bit of time. So what can you say about the fox?
have some, like, then you get to read a couple afterwards if, there's, if you've submitted yours, so you can see a couple fun classmates' responses. Give you another forty five seconds. There we go, just so I'm accurate on my time. All right, so I'm going to pause you. Um, so uh, we can see a number of different responses again. Uh, so we've got, um, it was the championship race. The fox was not worried. He was never worried. He decided that he would give the tortoise and the hare a head start. So he waited six minutes and let the other two get on their way. Then he speed ran the whole thing and finished in time to eat a snack while the other two ate his dust. Right? So you get like a creative Englishy response from some people, right? Um, some are much more specific. Um, so the bottom left one, the fox did not move for the first six minutes. Um, actually mentioned a specific number. Then he ran 1,600 meters at a constant speed for four minutes. Right? That's getting at some of the like, vocabulary we would probably typically want out of one of those. Um, or you have some that are including some of the data info and some of the fun. So the fox tortoise in here entered a 1,600 meter race. Um, at the, I think, start, the fox was stretching with his headphones in and missed the start of the race. So you're getting both aspects of it, right? Um, but again, like, giving some uh, creativity here, um, uh, and this is another Dan Meyer quote, so you are the central bank of your own classroom. You can decide which kinds of student ideas are valuable. You can influence whether students see their own ideas as valuable or not. Um, so the idea being we get to choose what's money in our classroom, right? If we go back to these responses, uh, oh, I killed those. I got rid of this. No, I'm going to save them. Yes, I did, right? Um, I can honor a student who maybe isn't like the most mathematical, but they can write a fun story about it. Like they've clearly gleaned enough details to notice that the fox got a, a late start, right? And then they can kind of um, make a drama out of it and they finish. Um, I can honor students who are really specific about it, right? Like, they're going to tell me, like, what they think the right answer should be, so they're giving me all the, like, mathematical, numerical details about it. I can honor that thinking. Um, so just in how you choose those two, like, then people can know, oh, like, math isn't just, like, um, a boring numbers thing that I can't make some fun out of. Um, I can do something like that. And maybe I can combine both of those things um, so depending on what you do, 
maybe you look at a screen that has a bunch of different options um, and you give them time to go back and maybe add to their story. So maybe the person who was the top left adds a couple more numerical details to theirs. Um, maybe the one that's in the bottom right adds some funny aspects to it. So why did they wait? And you can add something like that and you can push them a little bit. Um, but I think giving students those opportunities to have a starting point um, that can be like very mathematical or not and then improve from there um, can be really valuable. Um, another one related to that, that I don't know that we have, what time do we end? At two, okay. Um, so we've got a little bit of time. Um, another one that can be fun uh, related to that um, is kind of flipping that. Um, so they've written a story. Um, so now can you draw a graph that hits on some certain characteristics? Um, and you can decide those. So in this one, the dog gets a head start but loses the race. The dog and the tortoise are tied at 800 meters. And the dog's distance is decreasing for six minutes. So can you create a graph? We've got a little bit of time. We can look quickly at this. Um, so can you draw on the graph a version of the dog that hits those requirements. So I'm going to start choosing, choosing some of these. Oh, man, where is that one? I want that one. Um, um, cool. So I'm going to pause here. Um, so again, you can, you can use this, um, and it provides a really good discussion tool. Um, so maybe you could ask like, uh, like one thing at a time, like in all of those, does the dog get a head start? And then have students discuss and be like, oh, maybe there's only one of those that the dog actually gets a head start. Um, are like, do they all meet the requirement of being tied? Um, and then like even asking some of them, like I, I picked this one because I think it's kind of funny. Um, what does the dog do in that one? He like retreats back to the starting line. 
Uh, like he's not, he's going back to back to zero. He's not even trying to race, right? Um, or does the dog lose in all of them? Because he was supposed to lose, right? Um, so here he clearly loses. Um, what about these other options? Like, does he lose in each of them? And then you can talk about specific aspects of it. Um, and again, depending on what you're doing, that can provide a good way to be like, okay, um, now go look at, we've looked at a couple, go back to yours, redo it, like what is something that you might need to change? Um, and then eventually like maybe do another one and maybe they improve that second time, right? Um, and again, I think because it's digital, often kids are very willing to go back and they can just like click undo a couple times and draw a new line in, right? Um, which is a fun aspect of it. So um, hopefully, those are some ideas on using um, that snapshot tool. And I don't know if there's any other thoughts here. Um, yeah, so will they meet the requirements? Highlight funny ones. Um, and then maybe you use the same thing and make different prompts. Like, what would it look like if they tied at the end? What would it look like um, to make, uh, like, there's one where it actually, like, creates the race for you on the next screen. Um, and you can create, like, multiple dogs up here. Um, having multiple lines, that's kind of fun. Um, but those are different ways to uh, use it. So a couple nuts and bolts type things. Um, some other new features that are really cool that they've just added like end of summer, fall. Um, students can put in image solutions. So if it's something like a lot of the um, drawback for using Desmos for a while was um, when it came to like solving equations and that kind of stuff, like there are certain things that are more pencil and paper oriented, right? Maybe a kid uses the sketch tools to like solve this, but I would say a lot might want pencil and paper. And as you go up and you have more work, maybe that's something that you want. Um, students can input an image for an explanation. So you can take a picture of work, they can upload it, and then in that activity, you'd have an eye on every student's work. Um, Maybe the next day you can show some different ways of solving, different organization, um, without having to like pull multiple kids' papers. Um, and a nice accessibility one um, for some students uh, is they can upload audio now that you can actually listen to. Um, so I would think especially for um, some uh, maybe lower students, some that uh, like maybe writing is um, something that's a little more difficult for them due to uh, um, whatever their type of special need is, that could be a unique thing to use as well. Um, and then has anyone used Mathagon? Does anyone know what Mathagon is? Um, Mathagon is a site that has this thing called Polypad. Um, and they have all sorts, it's basically virtual manipulators. Um, they merged with like Amplify and Desmos so it's all in the same thing. Um, so they have all sorts of different virtual manipulatives that you can put on a slide. Um, so they have uh, polygons, so you can choose all these polygons and uh, start like smashing them together and you can make tessellations or see how many would fill a plane. Um, they have, uh, you can add probability things, uh, like a dice that students can roll. Um, they have algebra tiles that students could create on there. Um, but you can add a, like a polypad that they have access to all this into a Desmos activity um, 
and then you could see all of your students like virtu virtually manipulating things at the same time. Um, so if you just want to use that on, on your own, Mathagon is pretty cool. Um, it even has, uh, for geometry people, there's not a great like digital geometry platform, I would say. Um, but they, you can use a triangle, protractor, ruler, compass, uh, or how do I make it draw? Um, that is very, like, I haven't used it for like a class, but I could see that being kind of a cool thing versus some of the hands-on things. And they, you, we could have arguments about like hands-on versus digital, right? Um, but it's a cool new thing. I haven't played around with it a lot, but it's out there. Um, so. How do you use these, right? It's cool. Um, how do you actually access it? Uh, if you go to, and this, you can just like watch for it. Um, if you go to teacher.desmos.com, you can create your own teacher account if you've never gone there. Um, it links automatically with Google accounts or you can create your own. Um, and then you can start searching for activities. Um, when you do that, if you click on your name once you have an account, um, and click Desmos Labs. They have some like beta things that you can turn on, like their geometry and marble slides. Um, and if you use Google Classroom, you can import your classes from Google Classroom directly into Desmos. So instead of having a code on the screen, like I had, you can assign it to just your first hour class, your second hour class, and they'll just get logged right in through their Google Classroom. Um, so that can be pretty cool. And uh, you can always do a single session code too. So if Google Classroom isn't the thing that you have. Um, uh, teaching maxim, good teachers are good thieves. You should never start by just creating your own thing. You should steal people's stuff. Like we probably have all stolen a lot of materials from other places. Um, so the two best options uh, are to run free lessons that are available from Desmos. Like the people at Desmos have created both just individual lessons and lessons from the Desmos curriculum um, that you can use. Uh, the drawback is, especially the curriculum ones, you can't copy and edit. So you have to run the exact thing that shows up. Um, a lot of what I used to do was just Google like some topic and then Desmos lesson um, and lots of links will pop up. And then you can start to pick and choose and say like, hey, maybe this is this would be a fun one, or maybe this has a couple really good slides that I want to use, even if you don't use the whole thing. And you can start to use those. Um, for the Desmos curriculum, uh, when you log in, you'll see a button that says like preview or demo the curriculum. Uh, so they have, uh, oh, I don't know if I had it here. Um, they have sixth, seventh, and eighth grade and Algebra 1 currently out. Um, Geometry is coming in next fall, and then Algebra 2. Um, every unit has a couple of free lessons that you can just run. Right? So this is from their Algebra 1 unit. Um, they have plenty of parabolas, so it gets at key features of parabolas. Um, and they have one on standard form versus factored form. And you could just click play and run those if you wanted to. So every, every unit of 6 through Algebra 1 has a couple free ones you could take a look at. Um, so the plenty of parabolas, if you have your classes in, you could just click assign, assign it to your first hour class, and run one of those. Um, if it's a 
custom activity from someone else, um, if you click on the three dots that are up here, um, you can click copy and edit. Um, so it creates a copy of that activity. You're now the owner of it. Um, and you can change it however you want to. So you could just straight run it. You could duplicate some slides. Um, but a lot of times that's a, that's a good way to start and just play around a little bit and then start creating um, a little more. Right. So I think it's just past two, so we are good. Um, I will put up uh, that info again. So if you want to copy it and you can look at images from any of those screens, um, that has all of the links in it. So thanks for coming. Um, if you ever have questions, email me.